Hey guys, I'm Pete. And I'm Alex. And you're listening to the Kick Push Pivot Podcast. I'm a former Fortune 500 consultant dedicated to the idea of innovation and growth. And I used to manage marketing tours for the Rolling Stones, focused on creating one-of-a-kind customer experiences. On this podcast, we interview people faced with the decision to kickstart innovation, push through doubt, or pivot to something new. We hope you find something inspiring or encouraging as you listen. Okay, everyone, welcome to another episode of Kick, Push, Pivot. We have a great guest today with Dutch Rojas from Everyone Health, which has now become Nomi Health. But before I jump into that amazing story, Alex, my co-host, welcome back to the show. Hey, good to be here. Thanks, Pete, and good to have you here, Dutch. Hey, great to be here. Thank you. This is awesome. So, so Dutch, this is this would be a fun episode. I'm excited, but there's a lot going on in your world today. But before we get started, let's hear a little snippet about what you're doing today and what the focus of Nomi Health, formerly Everyone Health, um, is doing. So you're the SVP, Senior Vice President of Nomi Health, which was former Everyone Health. And I know that you're not into titles, being an entrepreneur, but now you've got one. So tell us a little bit, what is the focus of Everyone Dude, Health? Dude, it's so fancy. It's so fancy. People are Looks great on a business card. Call me that. I'm like, no, my name is not Dutch Rojas. It's Senior Vice President Rojas. Thank you. <laughs> Get it right. All I ever think about is that Wall Street movie where he makes where Gordon Gecko makes fun of all the vice presidents. And I'm like, oh, oh I'm yeah. one of those now. Oh, greed <laughs> is good. Right? Exactly. So funny. He's like these vice presidents. Anyways, uh, look, I'm into affordable and accessible care. You know that's what I want to do. I want to eliminate barriers to care i.e. every single person who's a member of our product, direct contracting product, has no copay, no deductible, and no coinsurance. I mean, imagine the average uh, person in the United States is a $5,800 deductible. And for some people that, you know, like me who used to live in the Silicon Valley, maybe $5,800 is not a lot of money. But I can tell you, we serve a lot of municipalities, a lot of teachers unions, uh, a lot of trade unions, big Taft-Hartley groups, you know what? The average American makes 60 grand a year, right? Maybe they make a hundred total. Think about that. I mean, you guys live in the East Bay. It's super expensive. It's fun there. You really, it's difficult to survive on a hundred K, right? Depending on what part of the country you live in. And so when someone says, Hey, my five-year-old son needs a hernia surgery, it's going to cost you 5,800 bucks. They have to whip out a credit card. They have to call their parents and get a loan. Like it is truly painful. And so helping people eliminate that pain point, helping them with their kids is an absolute joy. And so we're going to continue to do that work. Um, I think we've proven that it works, that direct contracting works. And now we're going to try to deploy it, you know, across millions and millions of more families around the United States. That's great. Uh, for our listeners, can you just kind of elaborate on what exactly direct contracting is, just in case anyone's not super familiar with it? Yeah, absolutely. I think uh, direct contract is generally just not, it's an agreement between the employer who's self funded. Lots of people don't know what self funding is, but I think your audience does. Mm-hmm. Uh, between a self funded employer and a physician or a medical facility. So there's no intermediary such as an insurance company, a carrier, or anyone else. It's just, hey, I'm an employer and I own ABC Dredging Company in um, Delaware, 
And what we do is we pay doctors and hospitals directly without any carrier interference. And so as everyone knows, carriers take a big slice of the the pie, hospitals take a big slice of the pie, and this is a way that employers have over the last 15 years just contracted directly. Now, the only difference in direct contracting is really the currency in which it works. Some people use a percentage of Medicare. I'm not a fan of Medicare or any percentage thereof. So what we did was we made it very simple. We took all the elements of surgeries and regular medical procedures, and we put them together by doing addition. And then we presented one singular price to the employer. So the employer now knows if I have an MRI with contrast, that I'm not getting a bill for the contrast material, for the physician's reading, and for the facility, I'm just getting one bill for, you know, $628 or whatever it might be. Mm-hmm. Yep. So that's direct contracting in and of itself. And interestingly, it's been... Uh, I've been in this business since 2008, and really until 2020, it didn't catch on. And now, of course, you've got, there's probably six other industry players that are as large as we are, um, and there's more coming out every day, you know? And so my goal is, if my employer's not listening, my goal is that we have a thousand competitors and that every American has uh, the healthcare at a price uh, that they need to provide for their family, do their job, you know, attend their religious house of worship and have the best experience they can have. And so I I think for a long time, and I think you guys would agree, people have been taking advantage of those who need healthcare services. And we need to, um, yeah, we need to remove all the barriers. And so that's what we're in the process of doing. Yeah. Yeah. And there's millions of people like me, right? The two of you and then others, and I think everybody's kind of slowly getting on the same page, like, hey, let's let's get some competition in this market and let's knock this out and like let's let's stop the profiteering. Yeah, totally. Did I sound like a Californian when I said that? Stop the profiteering? I, did I really believe it? I'm like, you know, if we Are had a from fair, Berkeley. If, if we <laughs> Berlin game, if we had a fair market though, right? If we had an open, transparent market, right, in true capitalism. When you have a perfect market, profit goes to zero, right? That's, that's what the books say. If you have perfect competition, there's zero profit. And so that's what I'm after. Like how, how many competitors do we need and how perfect, like can we get a price in front of everyone? Everyone knows the price of gasoline, right? It's like $9 where you guys live and it's three fifty where I live. I just filled up yesterday. <laughs> Rub it in. Right, rub it in. But I'm like, but everyone ought to know what, you know, it costs to go see a physician for a primary care visit. Right? It's $65. Mm -hmm. Like, but everyone ought to know that. And people don't need to be intimidated and go, well, I can't go get care because I I don't, I don't, oh, it's going to be, you know, people tell me all the time it's going to, oh, it's thousands of dollars to see a primary care doctor. I'm like, what? They have no idea. Right? They think lab tests cost three or 400 bucks. And I'm like, no, a lab test is like $2. And you can get 10 of them, which the average person gets 10, for like 12 bucks, right? And it's all done. But nobody knows because they think they have to show their insurance card and then it gets complicated. And mm-hmm. hey, you guys know yeah. that story. I, I love the way that you're so passionate about this topic because literally anyone you talk to, pricing transparency and knowing how much things cost is like black magic. And in some ways, the, the healthcare market is so strange the way it normally is for most people. And that is... 
you get care from a doctor, but you don't pay the doctor, right? You pay someone else who has the money. And then eventually the money makes its way to the doctor somehow. But it all seems very strange to an outsider. So what you're trying to do is basically simplify the whole thing, make it like anything else. You know how much things cost. You pay for what you get. It's an exchange between two people. And, you know, let's take the complexity out of it. And it sounds like you've had good success. So I think we're getting there. There are, and I'll say this, there are lots and lots of doctors, right? There's about a million physicians in the country. And there's probably a good 10,000 of them that work on price transparency every day, right? Like they know that just because a patient has coverage or health benefits, that they can't take advantage of those cash prices all the time, but they have them. Right. So that when people like me come across and go, hey, I'll pay you $60 to do that or I'll pay you $200 to do that, they're ready. And so I think we're seeing more physicians get involved in business where they never wanted to be involved before. Right. Mm -hmm. They just wanted to do procedures and surgeries. And now Mm -hmm. they're like, well, I went to school for 30 years. I didn't get an MBA, but, you know, like I'm pretty smart. So maybe I'll just knock this out, too. Right. And it's and what I tell the doctors is really you're actually being a physician. You're taking care of their their physical health, but you're also taking care of their mental health. And that's really important. Like, do you want to go see a behavioral health specialist? Well, isn't it important to know what it's going to cost per visit? Mm -hmm. I mean, it's not that hard. It's one hundred ten dollars on average. That's client experience. right? Right. I mean, it all goes into client experience, which is a huge part of being a physician. So. Yeah, I totally agree. Yeah, I think I'm, yeah. I, I, I am pretty I'm pretty evangelical about it, if you will. Yeah, if we're going to preach the gospel. Then I'm going to preach the gospel of good health care. Preach. I like you it. Know? I like it. Well, it's, it's not brain surgery, but it does remind me of a good joke about that. A dad joke about brain surgery. Here we go. I'm a, you're, you're a dad. You got two kids. We talked about that earlier. So I'm going to lay it on you, Dutch. Tell me what you think. Uh, why was a patient so relieved after he had brain surgery? Why? Well, I'll tell you. He had some reservations, but after the surgery, the doctor changed his mind. (laughs) It all worked out. It all worked out. out. I was going to say something like no no brains, no headaches or something like that. (laughs) Yeah, you can't overthink a dad joke, Alex. I'm sorry. When you get kids one day, you'll you'll get to that level. I I started wearing white tennis shoes after I had my first one, and I was like – this is all downhill Ooh. from here, pal. New balances? Yeah, it's all downhill from here. With the new balances, the cargo <laughs> shorts? I, if I get cargo shorts, my wife's oh, going to leave no. me. Yeah, Tuck in your, tucking over. in all of your T-shirts? Oh, man, with a belt? Oh, that's sweet. <laughs> here we go. And a Seinfeld uh, well, wallet, and I'm in. Oh, man, I just rewatched that on Netflix. So good. Yeah, um, Anyway, so tell us the origin story. So you've had a, a massively successful exit, which just happened, which, by the way, congratulations. Thank you. Uh, Everyone Health has now become Nomi Health, and you sold the company for just over $20 million. Is that right? Yeah, it sold – well, the press release said $26.5 million, so we'll go with that. We'll go with that. Congratulations. <laughs> yeah. We'll, we'll so go with that. Today for uh, listeners. Right. I mean, the origin story is pretty simple, right? Like in 2008, I'm living in New York City in the West Village. And uh, I'm working for a REIT and a surgical practice on the side. And we're doing uh, surgery center development, right? And so as the audience knows, you have hospitals, then you have surgical hospitals, and then you have ambulatory surgery centers, right? So it's just one level lower. 
And so there's no ICU. It's basically done for healthy patients to get out, to have outpatient procedures. And so um, every hospital now in the country, every health system is trying to buy up all the ambulatory surgery centers. Now I've told nice. all those people. Now I told you this in 1998. Why didn't never mind? Yeah, that's a long story. Anyways, in, so in 2008, um, I started learning about self-funding, and I, it dawned on me that um, every single time that I took money from a patient, my job was to maximize revenue for the surgical practice. So I would try to find every code possible. I would try to dig in the benefits that I could. And if I had a hundred thousand dollar day, um, you know, I got paid a good bonus. And so living in New York city, having a high rental expense, I, uh, I, I tried everything I could to make as much money as I could. And then literally one day, um, we got a call from a pretty large corporation and the call came to me and the guy was like, Hey, um, do you realize that I pay these bills myself? And I thought he was out of his mind and he spent the next year kind of coaching me and helping me. And so I helped him and his company get direct contracts with our network of ASCs. We carved it out of the health plan. And that really started me on the, on the journey to the direct contracting business. Um, we did it as a percentage of Medicare at that time, because that's what I was most familiar with. Um, and then what I figured out was through lots and lots of painful lessons was that people didn't have transparent prices. Like hum between human resources, the CHRO and the CFO, they had no idea what they were spending. Hmm. And it was like, hey, why don't we make it easy? A computer program and a couple Excel spreadsheets in a database will tell us anesthesiology plus facility fee, plus professional fee, plus any DME or any other equipment equals a number. And what we'll do is we'll give that number to the CFO and then we'll have an upfront price. And that's what we'll call a bundle, right? And so we established kind of the static definition of what a bundle is. And then we went to the market and said, you know, look, we can give you a price for pretty much every single procedure that you use. And as you guys know, about 18 billion uh, medical treatments are rendered every year. 15 billion of those are lab tests. Um, only about two and a half percent are high acuity cases. Hmm. And so, you know, people will come to me and say, well, what about, you know, if I get in a car wreck, how am I going to get a price for that? And I'm always like, well, that's a really good point, except you already have an upfront price for it. It's not something that you have to obtain after you get in a car wreck. It's already there. So we already have a price for fixing your humerus or fixing your tibia or fixing your heart or fixing your crushed body. Like we already have pricing for that and we're not trying to negotiate a price. What we're trying to do is make sure that the employer who's paying knows what they're going to pay before they're asked to pay it. Right? It's mm -hmm. not a matter of like I just got in a car wreck and now I got to you know, I got to negotiate with a doctor. Well, that's not really how it works. So I think mm -hmm. that's the origin story. I mean, that's where we started. And then, uh, you know, we got acquired, I think it's been two weeks by, uh, by Nomi. And so I'm pretty stoked. Yeah. yeah. Congratulations. Now I have wow. a question for you, Dutch. That's, this sounds like a great idea, but however, uh, Pete and I know as Pete and I know, and a lot of people in the healthcare space know that 
just because you bring a great idea to a physician doesn't necessarily mean they're going to jump on it. Was that one of the kind of the hurdles that you had to to jump over? I mean, a lot of times we'll come to doctors and, and give them a, a great business idea and they just don't want to they just don't want to rock the boat. They don't want to change the way that they're doing things. Was that one of the things that you had to kind of hurdle over? Well, look, I think it took us close to six years to get our first real ongoing employer client. And that, you know, the hurdle is two sided because you're in a marketplace. So you're trying to you're trying to tell the employer that you can do this for them. And on the other side, the doctor's going like, well, but I only want to do it if you can give me volume. Right. Mm -hmm. And so in the meantime, the physicians all complain and say, I never get paid on time. I never this. I never that. I don't know. Nobody listens to me. I told them they needed this surgery. And then they tell the insurance company person tells me I don't. Right. And I'm like, hey, there's a solution work directly with the employer, but it took them a long time. Just, you know, you guys already know it takes about 17 or 18 years of innovation and in healthcare to kind of move down the road. So I think, yeah. yeah, if you have a good idea for a doctor, well, be prepared to wait 17 years. Exactly. Yeah. That was <laughs> kind of the point I was trying to make. Yeah. yeah. They just don't like change. Uh, it's tough. No, but no humans like change. Nobody. It's true. It's they true. want like the thing. <laughs> The thing everybody says is, I just, I just want to. We've always done it this way, Dutch. Yeah, we've always done. It. Stop trying to change and innovate. We just have always done it this way. And I'm like, yeah, that's, that's not going to work because we've always ripped off patients, and we've always been expensive. Like it doesn't have to be. We can make a difference, and we can make it better for everybody. So tell so, me this then. Yes. Given the fact that it takes 17, 18 years to make a change, generally. How did you guys tip the curve? What was that moment where you you got that six years of, of hard work at your first client? Was it a snowball from there? Was it some kind of external event that happened? Uh, that's hard to say because really, I think I mentioned this before the broadcast. It wasn't until 2020 that people really started taking notice. Like I'd been doing content on LinkedIn for like eight or nine years. And then all of a sudden, I had 30,000 followers and I was like, no, no, no. Yesterday I had 200. <laughs> like, where did you guys all come from? You know what I mean? So yeah, I, I, I think it really was a snowball. Like I, I think everybody's actually, and I don't think they're quite there yet, but I think a lot of people are angry and a lot mm -hmm. of people are looking for solutions. And I think we finally have, you know, one of the biggest barriers were brokers and consultants. And I think you've got enough brokers and consultants now who have tipped the scales over to people like me who, who are like, hey, yeah, I know it's more work, but I'd like for my employer not to have a 22% premium increase this year, which is the average for uh, 2023. I'd like oh, yeah. for them to have a reduction of 20%. How do I do that? Right. And so that's what we're beginning to see is, is, is the capitulation is finally happening. But don't worry. I came up with, and I tried to patent surgery futures and surgery options and surgery forward contracts. We've been doing forward contracts for three years. I don't, I think it might be another five or six before we even get the slightest bit of adoption, like maybe 5% of the market will adopt it by then. Mm -hmm. And so we'll look between 2008 and 2028, it'll have taken me 20 years. Yeah. And you're talking specifically about the idea of, hey, why don't you lock in this price now yeah. for this type of surgery or procedure? 
like like in the stock market, right? right? And that way, for the next however many years, five years, you'll have a steady flat price. When you're worried right. about fluctuation, you prepay no it basically. So think about it with inf- inflation now, right? Think about all the people that I preached the gospel of futures and options to five years ago. I mean, a good number when we went through the acquisition, emailed or texted and we're like, you know, you were right about that. That would have been a nice hedge against inflation. And I'm like, yes, I know. I mean, <laughs> and just for the people that don't really, you know, when you deal with a self-funded client, they have all their utilization data. So you can see what the members of that employer's health plan have used for, let's say, the last three or four years, right? Big companies, it's the last 10. Smaller companies, maybe it's the last three or four since they went self-funded. But we can take all of that data, take all that fee-for-service data and put it into bundles. So like I can see what the doctor charged them for a colonoscopy. I can see what the facility charged for that same colonoscopy, what they charged for the sedation and anything else, the ancillary services they did. And I can put that into one price. And then I can say, well, if you are in the, uh, if you're in the Bay area, right, we have 19 locations where you can do all the things that you need to do for a health plan. And here are all the prices. Here are the quality metrics for those individuals and those facilities. And between 2023 and 2026, you can buy all the utilization that you've had in the last three years. I don't recommend 100% of the purchase, but you can contract for all of it or half of it or 30% of it or 20% of it and hedge yourself against the coming prices. The doctors want to do it because it makes the value of their business go up. It helps them with long-term modeling, right? If they have two surgery, if they have two ASCs now or two ORs now, but now they go, well, we need four operating rooms and then we need two more procedure rooms or we need six more clinic rooms. What better way is to do it than to model volume for them, Hmm. right? Like it's a huge win-win for both sides. Now, the people that don't like it are the hospitals and the people that don't like it are the brokers because there's no need for them anymore. Right. And you're yeah. like, hey, all I need is a good data scientist, some people to build an API, and like we're done. Amazing. So with Nomi Health coming in and, and working with you at Everyone Help now to kind of bring you guys into the larger company, what is the focus going to be going forward? I know you've been focusing on these, you know, direct contract type work, but there's other things out there that I've heard you're working in. Can you share a little more about that? Yeah, I think for us in our division, right? So I'm gonna be the I'm the SVP of the new of a new division called direct contracting. Uh, we're focused on three things. One is we're focused on the B2B business, right? Removing co-pays, co-insurance, and deductibles for health plan members on self-funded businesses. I think we'll continue to see um, adoption there. Uh, it's our goal in the next three years to attract another 3 million clients or 3 million health plan members to that. So, um, that's one tranche, if you will. And then number two is our e-commerce play. Mm. Uh, there's a couple of other com- people out there now doing it, but I want to build the world's largest uh, medical treatments and service marketplace. Uh, I think, look, if you're, a, if you're 90% of the population that never exceeds their deductible, don't you want to know what the basic lab test cost in your neighborhood? Or if your doctor's like, hey, go get an MRI of you know, a lower extremity. Don't you want to know what the price is? And so a lot of people want that. They want that ability. And so we're going to build that. 
um, call it a Shopify site with uh, medical treatments and services available at upfront prices from reputable physicians with high quality scores. And then so the third list, piece, an online list of yeah. all the prices and all the places in the area around you. Yeah. So if you're a user, right, and you're, let's say I'm in Tulsa, Oklahoma, I can look up Tulsa, Oklahoma. I need a uh, CT of the abdomen and pelvis, the most common CT. Oh, look, here there's 19 locations and they're all $250 a piece. I want to go here and I'll just click and then a doctor will call me and ask me for an order and I'll give him the order and yeah, then it'll be done. But that's way better than going to those places and being like, well, here's my health benefits card. Uh, what do I do? And then they send you a bill three months later and they're like, you owe $9,470. And you're like, wait, what? Right. You know what I mean? Like, okay. Yeah. I, didn't realize I, went out of, I didn't realize I went out of network. I, didn't, <laughs> exactly. I don't know anything. I'm just a person who's trying to make a living. Can you leave me alone? I don't need to know all this jargon. Yeah, you're yeah. shaking with your health benefits card. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, is this cut yeah. really that bad? Do I really yeah. need to go get ditches? Uh, I mean, think about it. 90% of the country doesn't meet, right? They're deductible. But why is yeah. that? I, I mean, look, you, you guys are closer to it than I am. You see those Kaiser reports and they're like, basically the entire country's scared to go to the doctor's office. Mm. That's my parents for sure. That's Man. how I grew up. Duct tape, a lot of duct tape yeah, in my family. A lot of duct tape. Hey, I make a hundred k with my spouse. I, I got four kids. I don't. Ha- I can I, Like, you're you kidding me? I got to pay for gas and food, and and I, I got uncertainty all over my life. And now I got to find like I got to figure out what the doctor. I'm like, no, I'm not doing that. Like, I'll just take care of it. Mm-hmm. So the online marketplace, which is your second in- initiative, that's going to help solve that problem. What's the third one? Uh, the futures and options exchange. That'll mm-hmm. be the biggest lift. Um, that's truly the disruptive force, I think, in uh, in the country. I mean, imagine if all the largest self-funded entities, right? Like, I mean, just the same way we buy commodities, we're able to have a book. Let's say uh, Morgan Stanley, Goldman Sachs, right? They have a market maker and they go, you know, all of our self-funded companies need this. Well, they just buy it when they need it. You don't, mm. you don't, you don't have to call a network. You don't have to sign a contract with Blue Cross every year. I mean, the, the amount of money that we allocate to yearly negotiations with the carriers is absolutely absurd. I mean, think of all the things the three of us do every year for renewals. I'm like, what is this renewal thing? This is garbage. Like, can't we just get a five-year deal or can I get no deal? Like, I want no network. And the only way to get no network is to have exchanges. So the world already has 340 exchanges, whether they're commodities exchanges, currency exchanges, or equities, bonds, stocks, whatever financial instruments. Why can't we have exchanges for uh, futures and options on procedure surgeries and medical treatments? Doesn't, it, it's just another piece that we can commercialize and make a commodity of and sell it. And then what will happen cool is, idea. and then like, but we're already selling forward contracts. So options and futures are just exchange traded of forward contracts. So I don't know. I, I think it'll take a minute, uh, but I think Wall Street knows how to make money. And mm-hmm. the companies that we're talking to 
are figuring out like, hey, we probably can make a lot of money if we do this and a lot of money will get extracted out of United Cigna and Aetna and we'll make the money instead of them, right? And so, um, yeah, I think I think you'll see the large players compete in that space and I think it'll yeah. be good, hopefully. That's so one of the things we always do on this show as well is give our audience a nugget, something that you either you wish you knew early on in your career, maybe something that's forward looking, a trend coming down the road that you think people should be aware of. Is there anything that comes top of mind uh, for the audience uh, from your experiences, Dutch? Uh, other than everything I've said already? <laughs> uh, look, I no, I, I, if, I, if I could, like, if I say one thing to patients and I do host some patient classes is, or how to be a good patient class is don't be afraid of the physician and always ask for the cash price. Like, mm. I don't care if you have health benefits. And I do make a big difference. People say that I'm an immigrant, right? Because I learned English at 15. People say that I'm big on using the right words. And I think you guys live in California and everybody in California is big on using the right words. Um, but I say there's a big difference between health benefits and insurance, right? Somebody, some people go, yeah, I have an insurance card. And I'm like, no, that's a health benefits card. And the reason that's important is because doctors have no clue what self-funding is. They, they have no idea, the vast majority, if you ask all million doctors in the country today, 99% of them do not know what self-funding is. And so I think if you're a patient, I try to encourage people not to be afraid to call the doctor and say, hey, I really just want to pay for this out of my pocket. I want to come see you. I need help. I don't feel great. Something's wrong. Can you please help me and tell me, tell, just tell me what the price is. And most doctors that we've encountered that with give a patient a price, right? And we're talking mostly about GPs or about orthopedic visits or pain visits. And most doctors are really generous and say, oh, yeah, come on in, you know, 100 bucks. Come on in. And then let's get it sorted out, right? And let's build a plan for you. But people are afraid, and I don't want people to be afraid. I love it. Yep. That's good. Ask for the cash price. Ask for the cash price. The cash is king, baby. There we go. Look, I mean, if you don't have a price, what do you have? Like, we we have to make a market. We have to have prices. And right now, we don't. And so, I think everybody's on the same mission to get a price. I love it. Well, yeah, Dutch, man. always great to have you in this show. You've been fantastic. Thank you so much for coming on. Uh, any final words, Alex, before we uh, close out today's episode? No, I think that's been yeah, great. Alex, I really appreciate it. Final words? <laughs> yeah, I haven't said enough yet today. So <laughs> really great uh, having you on the show today, Dutch. I think this has been really informative and uh, I'm very excited about the the future of where healthcare is going. I think it it uh, what you're trying to do really makes a difference, especially for, uh, say, the little people. You know what I mean? The people that can't afford it, the people that are afraid to go to the doctor, which is a ton of people. So. I uh, really appreciate what you guys are doing. Well, glad you guys had me on. I look forward to uh, catching up with you guys again in a few months. Appreciate it. Absolutely. Thank you for listening. Be sure to follow us on Facebook at KPP Podcast. If you'd like to be on the show or know someone who would make a great guest, feel free to reach out. Hope to see you next time.